Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this third Thursday after Epiphany, the 25th of January, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Christmas. Today we celebrate the festival of the conversion of St. Paul. Originally a zealous persecutor of the church, St. Paul, then Saul of Tarsus, met Christ on the road to Damascus. Blinded by a bright light, Saul heard the words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? To which Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? To which Christ replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Upon arriving in Damascus, Saul was sought by a disciple named Ananias, who had been sent by the Lord to heal Saul. Upon receiving his sight, Saul was baptized and went on to become the Apostle Paul a man whom God called, a chosen instrument, to carry Christ's name before the nations. Our readings for today are Psalm 6, Psalm 67, Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 through 21, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 23, and paragraphs 56 through 67 of part 4 of the Large Catechism. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the sixth psalm. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you, in Sheol who will give you praise. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 67th Psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. 
Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Zechariah, and we will be reading the first chapter, verses 1 through 21. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us, for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. On the twenty-fourth day of the eleventh month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees, and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion, and again choose Jerusalem. And I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? And he said to me, These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen, and I said, What are these coming to do? He said, These are the horns that scattered Judah, so that no one raised his head. And these have come to terrify them, to cast down the horns of the nations, who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, and we will be reading the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 23. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, 
and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Large Catechism, and we will be reading Part 4, paragraphs 56 through 67. I say, if you did not believe then, believe now and say this, The baptism certainly was right, but I unfortunately did not receive it aright. I myself also, and all who are baptized, must say this before God. I come here in my faith and in that of others, Yet I cannot rest in this, that I believe, and that many people pray for me. But in this I rest, that baptism is your word and command. It is just like when I go to the sacrament, trusting not in my faith, but in Christ's word. Whether I am strong or weak, I commit that to God. But I know this, that he asks me to go, to eat and to drink, and so on, and he gives me his body and blood. That will not deceive me or prove false to me. So we do likewise in infant baptism. 
We bring the child in the conviction and hope that it believes, and we pray that God may grant it faith. But we do not baptize it for that reason, but solely because of God's command. Why? Because we know that God does not lie. I and my neighbor, and in short all people, may err and deceive, but God's word cannot err. They are arrogant, clumsy minds that draw together such ideas and conclusions as these. Where there is not the true faith, there also cannot be true baptism. That is as if I would conclude, if I do not believe, then Christ is nothing, or if I am not obedient, then father, mother, and government are nothing. Is that a correct conclusion, that whenever anyone does not do what he ought, the work that he ought to do shall become nothing and of no value? My dear, just invert the argument, and rather draw this conclusion. For this very reason, baptism is something, and is right, because it has been wrongly received. For if baptism was not right and true in itself, it could not be misused or sinned against. The saying is, abuse does not destroy the essence, but confirms it. For gold is not the less gold, even though a harlot wears it in sin and shame. Therefore, let it be decided that baptism always remains true and retains its full essence. That is true even though a single person should be baptized, and he, in addition, should not truly believe. For God's ordinance and word cannot be made inconsistent or be changed by people. But these people, the fanatics, are so blind that they do not see God's word and command. They think about baptism and those who administer it, just like they think about water in the brook or in pots or like any common person. Because they do not see faith or obedience in infants, they conclude that infant baptisms are to be considered invalid. Here lurks a concealed rebellious devil, who would like to tear the crown from authority's head, and then trample it underfoot. And in addition, he would like to pervert and reduce to nothing all God's works and ordinances. Therefore, we must be watchful and well-armed, we must not allow ourselves to be directed or turned away from the word, in order that we may not think of baptism as a mere empty sign like the fanatic's dream. Lastly, we must also know what baptism signifies and why God has ordained just this outward sign and ceremony for the sacrament by which we are first received into the Christian church. The act or ceremony is this. We are sunk under the water which passes over us, and afterward are drawn out again. These two parts, A, to be sunk under the water, and B, drawn out again, signify baptism's power and work. It is nothing other than putting to death the old Adam and effecting the new man's resurrection after that. Both of these things must take place in us all our lives. So a truly Christian life is nothing other than a daily baptism, once begun and ever to be continued. For this must be done without ceasing, that we always keep purging away whatever belongs to the old Adam, then what belongs to the new man may come forth. But what is the old man? It is what is born in human beings from Adam, anger, hate, envy, unchastity, stinginess, laziness, arrogance, yes, unbelief. The old man is infected with all vices and has by nature nothing good in him. Now when we have come into Christ's kingdom, these things must daily decrease. The longer we live, the more we become gentle, patient, meek, and ever turn away from unbelief, greed, hatred, envy, and arrogance. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. 
I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church. I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in whatever calling has been given you or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.